Well, I think they got the message. Now, just so you know, um, you know, the stories about going to the parties and stuff, we encourage our kids not to do that. Just so you know. Um, I, I think the best is to uh, be the influence as best as you can, but don't put yourself into uh, compromising situations to the best of your ability. So, but uh, I appreciate everybody that works with the youth and, um, you know, when we put them into situations like that, God puts a seed in there. You know, I believe every week, every Sunday, every Wednesday, every men's Bible study, every ladies' Bible study, there's seeds planted. But I've just noticed the impact that taking our young people to a, an atmosphere where there's 1,000 to 2,000 other young people, all with a focus of receiving something from the Lord, there's an impact that they receive into their life. And that's a seed that gets planted. And... And I, I think that's so critical. I think it's so critical because we, I know Dr. Brown says, never underestimate the power of, of the seed. Anytime you have a situation with somebody at work, somebody in your home, somebody at school, if you have an opportunity to plant a godly seed, plant a godly seed. Because you never know what God can do with that seed. You never know what will happen one minute later, one hour later, a day, a week, a month, even years later, what God can do with the seed if you're faithful to plant it. Amen. Amen. Is there anything I should be remembering? Oh, yes. Oh, the kids. That's right. Any kids that are, are still here that should be in Sunday school? Or want to go to Sunday school? No, should be, I should say. Not want to be, not want to be, <laughs> can go to their Sunday school class. So, amen. Well, you know what? The word has been used a lot this morning. And it's the first word on my notes is seed. Let's pray first. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your word that has already been established here this morning. What you've already said. And Lord, help all of us to have an ear to hear what your spirit is saying to us this morning. Let your fall, word fall on good soil and bring fruit, forth fruit in each of our lives. And everybody said, amen, amen. I, uh, why so serious? <laughs> It'll, okay, I got to lighten this up. Well, you know, what I've been feeling in my spirit over the last couple weeks as I've been preparing is as we've learned about and we've talked about and, and received the word over the last few months about moving into new territory, the, the idea of opposition, um, 
has been floating around in my, my head. And I want to I talk a little bit this morning about opposition to the word that goes over your life. Um, the parable of the sower. I want to, let's turn to Matthew 13. And verse 5 will go up there. But Jesus is giving a, a parable about the sower that goes to, to, to sow seed. And I'm sure most of us know the story, so I'm just going to summarize it. As the sower throws seed, it falls onto four types of soil. There's the, the pathway that is just hard. And the birds come and just pick the seed. Secondly, there's the, the, the stony places, and that's the one I want to focus on this morning. The stony places that are, don't have much earth, uh, there's no depth to the soil, and, and so um, the, the seed grows, comes up real fast, but because there's no root, there's no perseverance. Third is the, the, the thorny, the thor thorny soil. The, 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 the seed falls on it, comes up, and then the, the, the thorns choke out the life, and, and that speaks about the cares of life and the deceitfulness of riches, chokes out the life. And then the fourth soil is the good soil. Um, I want to focus on the stony soil because um, I, I was listening to a sermon and this sermon matched a lot of what was going on in my life and it just became so real and I want to share something that's really real in my life right now. But a lot of different circumstances a lot of different situations over the past year. But the story that's really stuck out to me was the story of John the Baptist. And I, I, I've kind of looked at John the Baptist's life. I, and I just this morning, I, 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 maybe I'm so serious or whatever, because this morning I read this Luke chapter 1. And Luke chapter 1 is when Gabriel comes to Zacharias, Zacharias and talks about John the Baptist being born. Then Gabriel visits Mary. And, and I started crying <laughs> just because it was so impactful. Um, just the whole, I encourage you to read Luke 1. Read your Bible, but Luke 1 and 2, <laughs> I want to encourage you. This was so impactful to me. And, and reading the story of John, and I read all the passages that related to John. John the Baptist, from a baby, knew what his life was going to be about. The angel visits Zacharias, and unbelief at the message that the angel brought caused him to be dumb till John was born. And as soon as... Zacharias gives the name John, his mouth opens back up, and he starts prophesying. And he prophesies about what his son is going to do. And the whole town is there. The whole family is there listening. And so everybody knows John's life. One day, John is baptizing, and Jesus comes. 
And John says, I'm not worthy to baptize you. And Jesus says, no, no, it has to be done. And John baptizes Jesus. And Jesus comes out of the water and the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes. And John witnesses this. As Jesus had was actually coming to be baptized, John says, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the... John knew who Jesus was. John saw the Holy Spirit descend upon Jesus. John heard the voice of the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. John heard all of it. And yet, months later, John is in prison. And John calls two of his disciples and says, go to Jesus and ask him, are you really the one? To me, that I, I listened to that story a couple months ago, I, I just, that story was just, came back, and it was just so real, because I've heard it since I was a kid. How many of us have God say something to us, speak directly to us, reveal something to us as we're reading his word, or sitting listening to a sermon, and God just speaks so clearly, or or God puts a dream in, in us, or a passion in us, and it's so real. And then circumstances and situations and tragedies happen, and we find ourselves questioning, was that really God that said that? Is that really God that said that? I just can't see that happening After Jesus got baptized, he gets led by the Spirit into the wilderness, defeats Satan. I like when I read that story, a lot of times in, in the captions, it says the temptation of Jesus. I like to say the victory of Jesus. He goes out into the wilderness and defeats Satan comes back and he reads in Luke chapter 4. He reads from the book of Isaiah. And we all know the passage, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Preach good tidings. To heal the brokenhearted. To open the prison. Listen to that one. Open the prison door. And where was John? To, to bind up the brokenhearted. To, to release those who are bound. John was alive at that time. John was free at that time. And then John gets thrown into prison. And I'm, I can almost hear those words echoing in John's mind. Release the captive. And this is my situation. Here I am in prison. And Jesus was his relative, <laughs> Elizabeth and Mary were cousins. And so Jesus obviously knew John. 
in a greater capacity than just being baptized by him. And John is sitting there in prison with Jesus' words saying, open the prison door. And it's not being opened. And it's not being opened. And it never gets opened. And because I know most of you, <laughs> I know a lot of our situations. We know what God has spoken over our lives. We've heard it several times, most of us. And we hear and we read God's word and we say, why isn't it happening? Why isn't it happening? And in that moment, John literally sends his disciples to question Jesus. Are you really the one? Are you really the one? And I want... I want to show you what Jesus said. Luke 7. Sorry, we're going to change it up. Luke 7. I want to just read this passage. Luke 7, 18. Then the disciples of John reported to John concerning all the things, and if you read the previous verses about what Jesus was doing, all the healing, all the miracles, all the... And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, are you the coming one? Are we supposed to... To me, that just spoke. Because all the stuff... I mean, I absolutely believe in healing. Absolutely. I've seen healing. I've laid hands on people and there have been miracles in their life. And then my daughter gets cancer. And I don't understand. And she goes through surgery. We had two months where we prayed. I don't understand. Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist, your relative, has sent us to you saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Wow. Next verse. And that very hour, right in front of these guys, he cured many infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. And then listen to the message he sends back. And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And finally, tell John, and blessed is he who is not offended because of me. <laughs> 
Wow. What do we do when we hit the wall of disappointment? When we hit the wall of our dream not being fulfilled? When we hit the wall of limited understanding? The, as I was sitting this morning talking about, about praising God, this is the phrase that came to me. He gives me peace that be, goes beyond my understanding. Why? To deal with situations that go beyond my understanding. What do we do when we hit the wall? And the things that have literally been spoken over us by credible men and women of God, it's things that we see in God's word that is absolutely sure, absolutely perfect, that will stand forever. Things that we know the Holy Spirit has spoken to us in our devotional time, in our quiet time. And we know, we know And then we hit the wall. What do we do? There's only one answer. Don't get offended with God. Wow. Don't get offended with God. We allow the why and we pursue the why, and we run after the why to try to figure it out. Jesus didn't even answer John's question. Jesus didn't go and visit John to kind of be with him. and hold his hand between the bars of the prison. Jesus didn't go. Jesus just said, don't get offended at me. That is powerful. That is powerful. And because I know I've had coffee with lots of people, I know what God, God is doing in our lives. I've heard what God has said through his prophets, multiple ones, to us as a congregation. And sometimes we don't see it right away. Do you know some seeds don't come up as fast as others? When, when I was studying this, and I was, I'm just going to read some of this straight to you because, or, I, or else I'm going to kick myself after for not reading. I get just talking and talking and talking and I forget. And then I, I look at my notes and I think, oh man, I should have said that. Oh, I should have said that. In the parable, Jesus says that the seed is the, listen to this, word of the kingdom. That's the seed. The seed, which is the word of the kingdom, comes and it birth, births something in us. We saw all these young kids 
God has birthed something in them. First of all, he comes and he births his life in us. But then he gives us dreams. He gives us passion. He gives us direction. But at the same time, the adversary also hears what is spoken over you. He hears it. And he also knows what the seed is. He knows all about the seed. Go back to Genesis chapter 3, and he knows all about the seed. The adversary doesn't want that seed to produce. If, if you are facing opposition, if you are facing opposition, and I think this is probably why James said, count it all joy, because the only reason you'd be facing opposition is because the adversary knows that there is a seed that will produce, that will destroy his work. So if you are facing opposition, it's a good sign that God is doing something. And it's a matter of time. And that's why James also says, let patience have its perfect work. Because there's a seed there. There's a seed there. But Satan also knows there's a seed there, and he does not want that seed to produce. I was talking to Brenda this week. That's my wife. And uh, not my confessional. I talked to Brenda. And, my <laughs> and, and it's interesting how God set it up in the garden there when when Adam and Eve had sinned, God said that he's going to, he's talking to Satan now. I'm going to put enmity, which is conflict, between your seed and the woman's seed. What happens in the very next chapter, in the very first five verses, right after that, Cain kills Abel. Abel was the seed, the immediate seed of the woman. Right away, right away, Satan is trying to destroy the seed. We come to Moses, and Hebrew says, by faith, Moses' mom and dad knew that there was something uncommon about Moses. And they talked about it. And guess who overheard them talking about it? Satan. And what does Satan try to do? He tries to kill all the babies. Puts it into Pharaoh's heart. We got to get rid of these kids. Now, Satan didn't reveal that whole plan to Pharaoh. But Satan knew the seed was coming. The seed was about to produce. Satan knew that. And tried to get rid of it. What did Joseph's brothers try to do to him? They, they, at first they wanted to kill him. I told Brenda. But then the other, the other uh, sinful desire of greed took over. And they decided to sell him instead. <laughs> or 
You know, we can get more out of him by selling him than killing him. And, you know, he'll be as good as dead in Egypt. But Satan wants to destroy the seed that God has put in your life. Satan knew that the promised one was coming and put it into Herod's heart to get out there and kill all the young boys. Satan knows that there's been a seed planted in your life. He knows the word of the kingdom in some fashion, whether it's a dream or a passion or a direct word or a revelation or a... However, it gets in there. Satan knows there's a seed in you that when it's fully matured and has developed is going to destroy him. And that's why he tries to influence you one way and why we want our kids to be influenced in a different direction. We want them to protect the seed, to nurture the seed. I'm getting ahead of myself. But the one thing we cannot do is allow offense to come. Where there's things that happen directly to us, challenges that face that seed, obstacles, hindrances that face that seed, or literal tragedies and things that we don't understand or cannot explain. They come into our lives and somehow we're in contact with them and we get offended with God and we bail out. And because we can't answer the question why, we get offended. The adversary does not. I got to get back to my notes. The adversary, listen to Jesus says what the adversary does steal, kill, destroy. But I've come that you may have life. When, you know, I have a. I'm going to put those down for a second. <laughs> God is good. How many of you believe that? Because it says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father from above. Now, especially in the last year, as certain visions and thought processes get processed in light of the circumstances. You hear all kinds of people say things, and I've read a couple books that have really, that have really uh, challenged my thought process. And it wants to make us question the goodness of God. And we see what happens, and, and this is the greatest one. How could a good God allow that to happen? And we get put on the spot to try to explain it all. And there are some things that just aren't explainable. But the pressure makes us try to explain it. <laughs> 
And so we come up with phrases like, maybe God allowed it. Maybe God put this on you to teach us something. Do you know how wrong those statements are? There's, I, yeah, and I, you know, I can't explain this whole subject, but I wanna, want you to picture something. Who is the perfect, there's only one person, okay, I'm going to lead you to the answer. There's only one person in the Bible. Who is the exact, exact representation of the Father? And who is the fullness of the Godhead bodily? Jesus. And when you examine his life, you examine his life, you'll get an idea of what God is like. Who did Jesus turn away? Nobody. Who did he heal? Everyone that came to him. Everyone. When was the only time he got angry? Or there was two, but the one time. He chased out the guys that were trying to make, be, they were money exchangers in, in the temple. And he got really angry at the Pharisees who were just religious cardboard images of but when you look at the life of Jesus, you see goodness, you see love, you see mercy, and he is the exact representation and the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I refuse to go down the road. I love to explain everything. I love being logical. I love to be you know, explain something and be able to, but there are some things I can't understand and I don't know why they happen. We can, I refuse to go down the road of why. We cannot go down that road because all of a sudden we're going to be trying to explain stuff that is out of our league and we'll get caught, we'll catch ourselves in a totally human wisdom. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Human wisdom. There are some things that we can't explain, and I don't understand. But as Alvaro said it, we pursue God. We pursue Jesus. We stay in close communion with the Holy Spirit. We pursue him. We pursue him. Luke 1, 45. We'll close with it. This is what Elizabeth said. To Mary. <laughs> you just look. It's amazing. When Gabriel stood in front of Zacharias, 
said, you're going to have us. Listen to what, listen to what Gabriel says. God has heard your prayer. So this was not a surprise. Zacharias and Elizabeth were praying for children. And so this is an answer to prayer. And yet Zacharias still didn't believe. That's what Gabriel says to him. Because you have not believed my message to you, you're going to be dumb till John is born. But what, listen to what is said about Mary. And this is what is said about you. Blessed are you who have believed. Mm. I want you to take that dream and that passion right now. Take it out. Maybe you file that dream in the garbage can or put it in the very back of the filing cabinet. I want you to pull that dream out right now. Pull that passion. Pull it out right now. Take what you thought was dead, but it's just a dormant seed. I want you to take it out. That passion. That word that God had for you. You know, seven conferences ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, God had a word over you. For me, there was a word spoken over Brenda and I 25 years ago. In our first building that we rented 25 years ago. The foxes spoke over us. Said we would be branches that reached over. <laughs> you know, that's funny that because we didn't know what was going to happen 25 years ago. At that point in time, Shawnee was two. Bradley was just born or just about to be born. <laughs> Listen to what God said to us 25 years ago. We would be branches that would reach over the wall. And God said, and you don't have to worry about your children. <laughs> you wouldn't have to worry about your children when you were doing what I was telling you to do. It's 25 years ago. Totally unforeseeable circumstances in the past 25 years. But I want you to take that word that God put in you, that seed, whatever it might have been that you thought is gone, has been dormant so long that it must have been just a dud of a seed. I want you to close your eyes and just listen. Just close your eyes and think about that passion, that dream. Blessed are you who believe for there will be a fulfillment 
of those things which were told you from the Lord. Blessed are you who believe, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told you from the Lord. There's not a single word that returns to the Lord void or empty or unpurposeful from what he has said. Every word comes back fulfilled. Every word comes back fruitful. And you may think you've hit a wall. And you're wondering, am I ever going to achieve or get to that territory or possess the territory that God promised me? Okay, I got a couple more minutes. This was a dream that my God gave my wife two months ago. And I want I want to close with it. It's it's Exodus 14, verse 10. This is where I believe this is where I'll finish this morning. This is the children of Israel coming out of one territory going towards the territory that God has promised them. And when Pharaoh drew near, they they come out of Egypt and now they have the Red Sea right in front of them. And they can't get through the Red Sea. And they have Pharaoh now chasing them and they can see that cloud of smoke coming in the distance and they know what's going to happen. And maybe some of you feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Verse 11. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Verse 12. Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would, would, have, been, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. 13. And Moses said to the people, this is what the Lord is saying, this morning because there are situations that happen and we can't explain them we don't understand them and there are things that are happening and we don't know why and rather than being offended with God and questioning God and getting angry with God this is what God wants to say to you this morning. Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, 
which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And that'll happen if we keep our heart unoffended. Unoffended. I want to challenge you this morning. Keep your heart unoffended. We don't have to explain everything. We don't have to. There's some things, there's some things that have happened in the last 25 years. Heavenly Father, I don't know why. <laughs> but, you know, I, this is, I've said this. I said, these children are your children. And God, you love these children even more than I do. And when I get to the point where I don't understand and where my love can't do anything more, Lord, these are your children. And you love them more than I do. And I don't understand. But I cannot go down the road of why. Because that leads to an even worse place. <laughs> it leads to a real bad place. Because then we try to justify things and understand things. And we end up twisting things around. To try to explain God whose ways are way above mine. Whose thoughts are beyond what I can. And there are times when God just wants to say, just rest in me. Stand still. Stand still. Rest in who I am. Rest in what I have done. And have confidence of what I can do. Rest in me. Rest there. Let the peace that passes understanding guard your heart. And keep your heart Amen. Let's stand. Oh, Heavenly Father, I thank you. Oh, let's sing that. On my, ever be on my lips your praise. Oh, this is what you need to do <laughs> when you get a point where your understanding uh, just kind of lacks the situation. Just praise the Lord. Thank your praise will ever be on my lips. Be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips.
Forever be on my lips, your praises will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips and you will be praised oh you will be praised with angels and saints oh we sing worthy are you alone you will be praised oh you will be praised with angels and saints we sing worthy are you alone and that is why i sing your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips your praise will ever be on my lips ever be on my lips oh heavenly father lord when we don't understand we will trust you when we don't understand we will pursue you Oh, when we don't understand, we will keep loving you. Lord, let your peace that passes our understanding keep and guard our hearts from becoming offended, with becoming angry, with becoming so fearful that we will bail out, we will quit, we will give up before the seed that you planted there starts producing. And Lord, this morning, we want to thank you for all the, the, the seeds of promise, seeds of revelation, seeds of vision that you have placed in our hearts. And help us to guard those seeds. Help us to nurture those seeds. Help us to protect those seeds from offense and from anger and from distrust. But Lord, renew our passion. Renew our vitality. Renew our pursuit after you. Refresh that pursuit. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.